How much time do you want for your progress? Progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and B.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Today is Friday, January the 22nd, 2022. Dr. Hayes, give us 21st. a uh, 21st, that's correct. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at the year 2022, January 21st, 2022. So much has happened. And I want to uh, just pay a, play a couple of sound bites right here for our conversation. Just a moment. Okay. Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. Okay, so I had to play that. African American voters are voting as high percentage as Americans. Okay, so put a pin in that, and then let's let's listen to this one. Uh, this one right here. Today we celebrate life because life is worth celebrating. And because it's worth celebrating, it's also worth defending. As we think about the March for Life and why we march, we march because we believe it is our God-given responsibility to stand in the gap for those who can't stand for themselves. And as we do so, we will protect life so that more Americans, their little feet will touch the soil of this earth. Their dreams and their ambitions will become real. How does that happen? It happens by protecting the unborn. It's our responsibility to do that today more than any other day. But every day is a good day to be on the side of life. God bless you. May we celebrate it together. Let's march together and remember why we march. Now that was Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I want to uh, just do this one real quick. And that's interesting with him, with the right to life, knowing that black lives don't matter. But uh, let's go with Cory Booker here. Madam President. The senator from New Jersey. I have deep and, and, and a uh, tremendous respect for my friend uh, from South Carolina. I'm not a senator from the South, but my family hails from the South. From Monroe, Louisiana to Alabama, to North Carolina, I know my roots and I know the challenges of Jim Crow and thank God we are not in a time of Jim Crow. 
the history that my friend talked to, I know I know this history, and I know my colleagues in the Senate know this history. We're all not blind to what happened in terms of racial oppression going back to the founding of this nation. The Constitution that people have been waving around, it's hard not to read that and not see that many of the compromises were based upon an acquiescence to that original sin of this nation, then slavery. So, Dr. Hayes, I, um, I just want to put a pin in there for right now because the thing that is quite challenging for me, and I, and I have to thank you for this in my race relations class the other day, I uh, had that founder's Bible from that bullshittery that I was involved in, thanks to you, that happened in Kansas City. Uh, yes, I, I said that. I did. Uh, uh, and, and, and in the middle of that founder's Bible, it cost $125, but we got ours for free because we ate at, you know, Jack Stacks or whatever. Um, but in the middle of that Bible is the Constitution of the United States of America. And so I asked my students, I said, now I know this is kind of ludicrous because there was also an addendum with this particular Bible. And I said, you know, do you realize that your grandchildren and great-grandchildren might open up this Bible and say that God sanctioned the Constitution because it's bound in the Bible? That's scary. And, and when we have folks who want to lean in on the inalienable rights, especially black people, we were not included in 1787 when the framers of the Constitution met in the city of Philadelphia. Well, we do know as African Methodist Episcopal in that same year, in that same city, 1787, a freed slave by the name of Richard Allen uh, went down to St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church with Absalom Jones to pray. In the same city, when the framers of the Constitution, 1787, met, this act of peaceful resistance occurred by walking out of this church St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church on that fateful day. And what I, I can't imagine is this, that the framers of the Constitution met in 1787. 1776, July 4th, was when the Declaration of Independence from the British took place, right? Well, in six, uh, 1863, January 1st, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Almost two and a half years later, uh, around June 19th of, June, uh, uh, of uh, 1865 is when folks in Texas got the memo. Um, but, but, but there were amendments to the Constitution that did not include. So we have the 13th Amendment abolished slavery. The 14th Amendment gave citizenship to the newly emancipated Negro. The 15th Amendment gave the right to vote to black men. And in that great period of Reconstruction, we had 13 U.S. Congress people, and they were getting work done. As a matter of fact, our public education system was, was created with this great movement of Reconstruction. Then we have the deconstruction of what was reconstructed and, and the gift of Jim Crow, if you will, and the gerrymandering that, that took root. And here we are right now that the Voting Rights Act, and we know acts can be repealed and replaced because, you know, the Affordable Care Act 
began to be peeled away uh, under the previous administration. But the Voting Rights Act uh, gets reauthorized every 10 years. And and what I struggle with, and I'm I'm in my feelings a lot because I know my mother and father voted for the first time in their life, three years before I was born. I was born in 1968. And here I am at the age of 53 struggling with whether or not I'll be able to vote for another 10 years, depending on who's in office. So, so what do we have in this non-representative democracy when folks who were in power who gave a damn about voting rights didn't do anything about it? How are we end this conversation in 2022? When will we ever have a representative democracy? And I'm not just talking about Democrats and Republicans. I'm talking about the power of people coming together to make a difference for everybody. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Come on, Dr. Hayes. <laughs> well, I was enjoying I was enjoying the rant, but uh, uh, that's a that's a that's a looming question for everybody. You know, when will we ever learn to be one, to work together as a common people for the common good uh, with a common set of rules that apply to everyone, that offers freedom to those who are part of this uh, national banner. I, I just can't seem to get over the idea that in the in the back of the minds of some people, black people still are three fifths of a human being. In other words, we're not quite equal to them. And every time we seem to slip out of that place, they slam the door and put a lock on it to make sure we don't stand alongside of them. And so when you watch how history recycles or repeats itself, you will see that when blacks rise in number of participation and leadership, they can only get so far before they are pushed back for fear that we will overtake the dominant culture and be really who we are, which is highly productive, creative people. I don't know when that will be over. I, I would imagine not until Jesus comes. Well, I believe that the spirit is living. And so, and the, and the essence of Jesus is here. And if we don't recognize, Did I, lose you? I said, That's I believe, cool. I believe that the essence of Jesus is here. And if we don't recognize that, then we have missed the opportunity. I don't know if there's going to be a grand march or whatever. And if that's what floats everybody's boat, we waiting, we've been waiting for 2000 years. Um, but the essence of his life and, and the precepts and examples that he left us is for us. And it's up to us to carry that forward. And I, I, um, I, I guess I'm a little annoyed that as that that we have these progressive movements 
We have anti-racism stuff. We have do-gooders who are extremely involved, overly involved. I remember when I was pastoring my first church, uh, one of the members said, too much help is no help at all. And, and we have seen how too much can be too much. As, as the young people say, you're doing the most, being extra. Um, but how can we affect a systemic change? Um, what are we imagining to be different? And, you know, we just got off the commemoration of the Dr. King holiday and the evolution of Dr. King and the movement was really about empowering those who would be seen as the least among us, the poor. And, and amassing this, uh, uh, this peasant revolution, if you will, or this, this manifesto, as, as Karl Marx said, a communist manifesto where the proletariat would one day rise up and and they killed a brother and and um and we've seen it systemically with Fred Hampton and and the gift that the Black Panthers gave that we still use today based on the free and reduced lunch system that was the gift of the Black Panther movement and they killed the revolutionary the, the revolutionary but you couldn't kill the revolution and it becomes kind of um, exhausting. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Um, I, d- I don't know. Uh, I, I, I shudder when we have been going on officially. This would be a year three of the pandemic uh, with the first cases being uh, uh, recognized in 2019, what we know of in 2019. And here we are in 2022. And uh, this thing is surging again because we keep doing some insane in the membrane bull goki, Dr. Hayes. Come on, help me. Because I just feel like I need to cuss today. And I'm trying not to because I know I got better choice of words. But sometimes, as my daddy used to say, you just got to use them for emphasis. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy the feeling. That's that's the problem, and it and it is frustrating. It is frustrating that um, you take uh, three steps forward and two steps back. And I think the original sin uh, was when they hijacked Jesus and made Christianity the tool of the governing to keep people in line, to make them submissive, to mold and shape them in such a way that they would always be subservient to them, to the few, to the elite, to the aristocracy, however you want to put it. It's always a handful of folks that want to keep everybody else subjected. I am not sure how we fix that uh, other than to wake up and realize what has happened and then uh, take some, as you say, joint effort to break it up. 
but we have never arrived at that place where we could really come together in a way that would bring the strength and power to overthrow and overtake those few. So, and part of the, part of the problem is we live in this capitalistic society where money does reign. And if you don't have any, you, if you don't have any money, you don't have much power. And the person who owns the means of production are not the ones who are producing the goods. And that is the skewed nature of capitalism. Right. Um, uh, so I want to just say also that um, I heard this quote, and I don't know who, who, who originated this particular quote, but the quote is, poor people vote Rich people lobby, and it is the lobbying that gets things done. And and so it becomes kind of, when I heard that, I was arrested in my soul because that is so true. That's money. Lobbying is money. I know lobbying is money, but I'm saying poor people vote. Rich people lobby. Rich people don't have to vote, but poor people are the ones who want to get the right to vote. And even with the right to vote, we see how the lobbyists are the ones who are crafting legislation, mm-hmm. who frame even at the state level. There's this entity called ALEC, ALEC, A-L-E-C, um, that is a, a, a lobbying arm that really leaned in on the mandatory minimum sentencing that everybody was saying in terms of this is this is what this means. Um it is, it is uh, you know, they were notorious for the school to prisons and li- pipeline. ALEC stands for American Legislative Exchange Council and uh, ALEC. And, and that particular group has amassed a lot of power. We know the Koch bro- brothers had, had their way in, in so many uh, ways. We know the pharmaceutical industry. We, we, we know telecommunication, who has the power. And, and it becomes... Uh, an affront to a representative democracy because they're not representing the interest of the rest of us. Yes, right. They're not. And um, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how you break that up because it's all about money. It's all about money. Those who have money can uh, manage to buy whoever and whatever they want in order for things to to be arranged in a way that they can continue to make money. I don't know what you do with that, Dr. Cooper. Uh yeah, uh uh-huh. I, I don't either. I I I don't either. And it's a it's amazing to me. Um so l- let me just I wanna play this little clip. And I don't know if I played this little clip before. But it goes right with you because money is the root of what? All evil. You know this song, don't you? The OJs. For the love of money. (laughs) And you know it has a long intro. uh, So I'm going to have to... I want I want to I don't want to get in trouble with uh sampling so I have to keep on talking till it get to the part where I want to hear. 
For the love of money, folks will do some crazy stuff. Now, what were you saying? No, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. That you know, the people they 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 want you. This is a strange thing. They want you to vote for them, not so that they can represent you so that they can get to Washington and make the money that comes in on the side from these lobbyists. Because the salary that they're paid is no money. It's not enough money for people to just work until they're over 80 and into their 90s. It's big money. It's corporate dollars. And see, that's the ugly truth that People really don't want to talk about. And it's the seduction of celebrity. Well, you know, celebrities, okay. I'm just talking about being famous, that's all. I don't mean to be a celebrity. I'm just talking about being seduced by being popular. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, And popularity is, is good. It's great. But money is greater than that. Because if you have a lot of money, you'll be popular. At least people will pretend that they like you. And you can pretend you got a lot of money. And then you become (laughs) popular. We just had a broke president who played on pretending (laughs) that he had a dime. The brother was so broke, he only paid $750-something in taxes. That's broke as a joke. Um, but I want to bring us back into this, and I want to uh, play this uh, as a reminder of what it means about uh, we the people. Hey, do you know about the USA? Do you know about the government? Can you tell me about the Constitution? Hey, learn about the USA. In 1787, I'm told our founding fathers did agree to write a list of principles for keeping people free. The USA was just starting out a whole brand new country, and so our people spelled it out, the things that we should be. So we all learned this song in Schoolhouse Rock. So here we go. Called it the Constitution. And it's been helping us run our country ever since then. The first part of the Constitution is called the Preamble and tells what those founding fathers set out to do. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. Yeah, I'm singing along. Provide for the common defense. Promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. All right, Dr. Hayes, that's the preamble. That's what's written before you open up the constitution. Yeah, it was 
Yeah, a lot of flowery words and, uh, you know, high uh, goals. But uh, once you get down to how did we, how did we stay free? How did we make this new land uh, support us, support our lives so that we can can be aristocrats like the folk in England that we left, you know, to be free. This is this is the thing. This is the cycle. It's a vicious cycle because the poor and and and, and the dispossessed always strive to be like the elite. And once they get to the place where they can be like them, they treat people who are less than them the same way. That's the thing we don't understand. Mm-hmm. How you can, how you can, how they treated the Indians, how they treated blacks, and they came here to be free. Now that makes no sense to me. Right. So that's a mystery that still is to be solved. What makes us uh, become like our oppressors? Is it that we've always longed to be like them? Right. And if so, how sad. It's so sad. And and Dr. Hayes, we're going to continue this conversation on. Um, we have to be careful who we emulate and who we strive to be or be like. Um, because as Irma Bombeck wrote, the grass is always greener on the other side of the septic tank. Let that yeah. dangle in your spirit. That's where your manure and other bullshittery is. All right, Dr. A. <laughs> it has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right. Until we meet again, stay safe and well.